Welcome to the Legendarium. Mahal, if you strike uh, me down, I shall become more powerful <laughs> than you possibly imagined. <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode number 160 and it is uh, it's a special one. It's the beginning of the end of our decent statistics. <laughs> there are nice no beginnings or ends. It, it was nice knowing y'all. It was, yeah, thank you. It, it was a beginning. <laughs> uh, now, it, we do have two episodes. Obviously, this is A Memory of Light, the final book in the Wheel of Time uh, series. Uh, we'll be doing two episodes, and this is the first of those. Now, I am Craig Hanks, your host, and over there, he's beardier than Perrin and often invades your world of dreams. It's Kyle Lemon. Just as tainted. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> you ruined my next joke, by the way. Because when you absolutely, positively must cleanse your taint, well, you'll have a volunteer in Ken Johnson. Oh, you bloody goat's right stone. <laughs> And I think we should nickname him Valir on account of his capacity for blowing horns. It's Ryan Bruckman. Blow for glory. <laughs> <laughs> Not while we're drinking wassail. <laughs> All right. Yes, we are oh, indeed man. wassling it up in here, uh, <laughs> settling in for a long discussion because uh, we are gonna. We're just gonna plow through and record both of these at once uh, because we. <laughs> I think we've got a lot to say. You'll notice that we did not post anything on Reddit for these episodes asking for input. That's simply because I think we just had a ton of notes and we wanted to make sure we get through them. What we are going to do, even though this is the the final book uh, in the Wheel of Time, and so these will be our last two regular Wheel of Time episodes, I do think we'll need one more kind of closeout episode after this is all done. Um, I'll post something on reddit and ask okay so what did we not get to that you asked about what is your you know your favorite foreshadowing because now we can do a a spoilers all as they say podcast uh, Mm. about it and so we'll tackle something like that not to worry we'll get to all that stuff um but before we get started on a memory of light i do want to address something very quickly if you are if you're listening to this five years from now uh just go ahead and skip ahead. This doesn't concern you. Uh, <laughs> but if you're listening now, uh, I want to talk about Patreon because there was a big, big change to Patreon this week. And uh, first of all, like I often do, um, but I and I always mean it, I want to thank everybody who is a patron there. Patreon.com slash Legendarium is where you can go support the show on an ongoing basis. However, there was a huge change announced this week and I know you noticed because several of you have understandably dropped off of our Patreon list. Uh, understandably, because I might have done the same thing. Essentially what happened, and you guys might not actually know about this, but Patreon has always had a system where, let's say somebody gives uh, $3 an episode, so every month they're given about 9 or 12 bucks, depending on how many episodes we do that month. And uh, Patreon will take their cut from that. So this person gives 12 bucks that comes out of their card or their bank account or whatever. Uh, and then Patreon says, okay, well, they, they gave 12 bucks, but here's your uh, 10 or 11 after our cut, whatever the number is. Right. But they actually have shifted that cost now. So we were bearing the cost of using Patreon and having a place for uh, where people could go and, um, and donate it just kind of uh, the convenience we were paying for the convenience of having patreon a, a dedicated space for that uh now they have shifted that cost to the patrons um and so now it's uh it's a system where now you give say it's those 12 bucks but now they charge you an additional 2.65 percent plus 35 cents whatever it costs them to charge your card basically now if you want to donate three dollars an episode you're donating three dollars and 17 cents or whatever right exactly and so i am uh not terribly pleased because i like i i was kind of happy to bear that cost like i said it was it's really convenient to have a, a centralized place for these donations but i'm not sure how i feel about this uh, what I'm going to do is put something up on Reddit, and if you are a patron, or if you're not, and, and you've thought about becoming a patron, I really want to hear from you. So go to reddit.com slash r slash 
the legendarium. I always forget the easy way to do it. Uh, but go to Reddit and uh, and sound off on this. Let us know what you think, how you feel about it, or you can hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Uh, I, I want to know, is this going to impact your donation or your uh, willingness to donate? Um, I, I, I am curious about that. I've been thinking about shifting it from Patreon to maybe just like a monthly PayPal type thing. I, I don't know. I don't know what my other options are, but I'm looking into it. Uh, but I, I want to hear what everybody else thinks of that because I'm not a huge fan of this policy but maybe other people don't really care so much. And there might be some workarounds, you know, changing <clears throat> some way that we can work the system so that we can still make sure that you're not having to bear the burden of trying to help us out. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I, kind of what I'm thinking of doing is um, shifting to a monthly instead of a per episode. Mm -hmm. But I've always hated that option just because I know that some months we just can't get to four episodes and I don't ever want to feel like we're shortchanging anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but with the video stuff coming up, the studio is coming along nicely. Um, and with the video stuff coming up, it might be just that we're putting out enough content that whether it's three podcast episodes and two videos or you know two podcasts and three videos or whatever, whatever configuration it is, um, maybe a monthly system will be better. Anyway, I'm sorry for everybody who doesn't care about this stuff. I, I hope you rejoin us for the actual discussion. But I, I it is this is uh, important to me just because I don't ever want um, our patrons to feel like they are unfairly bearing the brunt of um, of helping us out. So we'll figure something out. I do want to hear from you and stay tuned, and we'll let you know what changes, if any, come down the pike. So now. Um, let's talk about a memory of light and not money. Here's what I want to do. Uh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> so I normally I would write something up, but uh, I finished it this morning and I thought I, and I started writing something out and I went, I literally don't know where to start with this. I can't organize my thoughts. So I'm going to use Kyle to organize my thoughts. Kyle. How satisfied are you that the three of us are now done and you have somebody to talk to about this? It's about time. <laughs> about bathroom <Mazarin> time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm super stoked because I mean, how many times in, it, just in this last week have I said to you, "Oh, I want Oh, never mind, you're not done yet. Oh, let's talk. Oh, never mind. We can't say this or that." Um <laughs> And now Ryan and I no longer have to look at the floor and like hide our grins when you and Ken are saying like, "Oh, this is going to happen," and we're all right. just like, "No." Do you do you happen to remember? Do either of you remember? Uh, were there any predictions that we just completely got wrong? Yeah, can you remember off the top of your head? I I should have gone back and listened to the last ten or fifteen episodes, but uh, I was busy. Maybe for our uh, recap one, what we can do is write down a whole list of like. Here were the predictions, and All here's what was wrong. Crap. Go Just back to and give like a quick bulleted play-by-play. -play, like, here's what we got wrong when we read it. Um, yeah, I'm there sure there's few. somebody who's got a, <laughs> a, a little spreadsheet out there that they've been keeping. <laughs> like, oh, these fools! They don't well, know what they're talking about. Oh, the, uh, yeah, those uh, the guys over at Watt Spoilers podcast. Are, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. After we case. after we read uh, um, the Gathering Storm, and uh, he totally bail fired bail fired Grandall, you know. And we were like, oh, didn't see that coming. And these two were both like, um, yeah, yeah that total, was, totally. That was that, crazy. That was yeah. crazy how that happened like that. Because about five pages into the next uh, book. Towers of Midnight, you find out, oh, I should have seen that coming. And I'm a little bit mad at myself for not seeing it coming. And in fact, I messaged both of them after I read it and went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so very satisfying, obviously, to have the entire thing done. Uh, I, I ran the numbers on the Watt Wikia. It's 4.4 million words. Insane. 4.4 million words. Now, to put this in context, <laughs> I ran some other numbers because they're, I, I'm not announcing our next series yet. I'll do that at the end of this episode. Uh, but uh, there is uh, the an, a series that's in the running is Narnia, Chronicles of Narnia. I ran the numbers on that. All seven Narnia books have a smaller word count together than A Memory of Light. 
Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, oh, yeah. Uh, now that being said, a memory of light that is it's one of the longer in the series. Sure. Uh, that being said, even the shortest book in this series, th- these are long books. These mm-hmm. are huge books. I kind of I have to admit, even though a bajillion people have done it, I feel a sense of pride and accomplishment at having finished the Wheel of Time, especially because I tried once before and didn't quite make it through. So yeah. I'm yeah. really excited to be to I it sounds this sounds like a dick thing to say like I'm really excited to be done with it. Ugh, that's not what I mean. I just I'm excited to have done it. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a nice feeling. It's I remember first time I finished a half marathon just I was crying and my hurt and everything across and as I tripped across the finish line, but as soon as they put the medal around my neck I was like I like I've done I'll, something amazing. And did you and did you say Okay, now let's do it again. I did. Yeah, actually. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing about Tough Mudder. Like, yeah, oh, I did that. Um, that being that being a mud race, of which Ken is uh, quite the proponent, for those of you who don't get his stupid inside so jokes. So freaking fun. Uh, okay, so 4.4 million words, quite the sense of accomplishment. But in this book, where do we start, Kyle? Um, I think we start... Probably by, you know, just kind of generalities, Elaine is gathering the forces. What, what I mean is, where where are we at the beginning of the book? Synopsize. Syn- Summarize. Uh, Synopsize for us. Well, that's a great <laughs> question, because I've been diving in all afternoon, and I can't remember exactly where this book starts. <laughs> well, that's why I asked you, because I can't remember. It starts with everybody congregating at the Fields, fields of Marilor. Yeah, that's right. where they're going to have their, the, their big meeting. Generalities, Elaine is gathering all of the world to her side to gather at the fields of Marilor and convince Rand not to break the seals. You mean Egwene? Egwene, yeah. And yeah. uh and Rand is basically just hanging out until it's time for that to start. And everybody's gathering there for the big debate. That's where it begins. And then it just is all downhill from there. <laughs> yeah, so that the field of Marilor is the setting for nearly the entire book. Uh, in one way or another. Yeah. Um, now the the debate, uh, I I like to call it the master debate, um, <laughs> it, about what they're going to do with this last battle, is uh, what it takes up the first third maybe of the book. Not not the debate itself, but kind of but the, the lead idea. up, gathering yeah. everybody up, mm-hmm. and uh, and all the all the the deep breath before the plunge, mm-hmm. and then they start fighting. This yeah, this is when. And, and this is where my summary ends. Sure. Because I think that's, that's fair. It. Pretty pretty much because I think the last 800 pages of this book are fighting. Yeah. yeah. They uh they start fighting and then there's there's about 5 pages maybe, maybe 5 pages at the end where they're like, "Oh, okay, let let's be done fighting." But everything yeah. in between that is just Yeah, it's basically yeah. one battlefront to the next to the next, to the next. doesn't matter if you're in the World of Dreams or at the Black Tower or yeah. on the Fields of Marilor or up in, up in Shale Ghoul it or is, wherever. It is all it just fighting. Is jump back and forth to all different uh, battlefields. So, so so that's your synopsis. Yeah, this is just <laughs> Ken's wet dream, it basically. It is orgy of punching. <laughs> there you go. This is, this is a weird episode. Uh, all right. Now... That being said, I, I do want to leave the ending, the the actual, you know, the last 30 pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll leave the ending for now. Uh, but everything up to that, I say, is fair game. Um, Ryan, most satisfying or uh, most memorable part of this book, of the last battle for you? Do you have one? Most memorable part of the last battle? Or just, you know, something you liked the most? Um key things that still resonate with me that are um the big deal um i actually screamed out loud in my car when um brigida got beheaded oh, <laughs> right I, it that i was legit pissed um furious and but it took me about two minutes to realize no if it means that she, as long as they put her back in the wheel like if she's still attached then i'm okay but yeah if she was gone entirely i was gonna be super pissed um but i think Probably the thing that stands out most to me might irritate some people, but it would be uh, the Sanderson creation um, of Andoral. Andoral. Oh, oh yeah. the and, and like, Pavara. I loved Andoral, and I loved cool. the way that he took a very, a relatively weak character and made him a big deal, 
because of his ingenuity with what he had. With with Andrel, I noticed something that was extremely Sanderson-esque uh, in that if he's famous for one thing, it's his magic systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I know there's a lot more to recommend Brandon Sanderson than just his magic systems, but that is one of the most inventive and interesting things about reading Sanderson is his magic. Uh, and he knows how to not only in, invent or craft a magic system, but how to kind of poke at it and explore it and make it do things you wouldn't expect. Uh, he kind of he thinks uh, he thinks about his magic as though he were an economist in a way. Like you know, what are the actual ramifications of this? Um, you know, what little uh, what little crevices are left unexplored with all this stuff? And that's what I felt like he was doing with Andrel and Pavara. He said, "Okay, there's this bond. Ooh, what would happen if?" Yeah, and right. you know, and so they kind of cross bond each other, and he get he gets to kind of play around with Jordan's magic system and go, "Oh, what would I wonder what would happen?" And he gets to come up with the answer to what would happen if. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's extremely satisfying. I I really liked what those two characters did with it. So I'm with you there. Yeah, I, I understand that there's a bit of a pushback on that character a little bit because it. It is the one thing, a bit of a sore thumb in the landscape, but in the sense of just being so different compared to everything else that's been done with mm-hmm. the, those characters. But I think that it, overall, it really did help the story and provide us with another person to get behind, um, which mm-hmm. I don't know if the story needs more people to get that's, behind. I was but. just <laughs> going to say, I, I, well, and, and I mean, that is a legitimate critique, think, though, is do, did we really need... Another what, well, what, without Andrel, what would here's we, my be thought. Cutting here's out? my thought on Andrel. I think that Andrel is fine. I think that he's super fun to read. I actually really like a lot of what Ryan brought up about Andrel. I feel like there's too much of him in this book. Um, there's just so much screen time that he gets, and he's a character that was introduced last, last book. book. Yeah. Um, and where I'm okay with. His whole storyline, I think that it works really well from a plot device mechanism. Like he's using Andrel so that you can see what's going on in the Black Tower. Mm-hmm. You can see that uh, Taim's been turning Ashaman over, like forcibly turning them. Um, and he even has some really cool, you know, when he brings out the gateway and and brings the lava yeah. from, from Dragon Mountain, all of that. Super cool. Everything there is awesome. I just feel like he got a little too much screen time. Um for the amount of characters that we do care about and have invested 13 books into, Andrel's taking away from them a little bit. Um, now, because I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. Sure. I, I, I think I agree I with think the that's sentiment. The, I think that's the argument. However, um, essentially, if for me, the argument comes down to, did this book need to be so long? Sure. Because nobody got shortchanged. He just added a whole bunch of crap to the book, right? Sure, right. At least that's what it felt like that's, as I was reading it, and so whether that's whether that's acceptable is a, a different question. But mm-hmm. uh, but I, so anyway, I guess I'm yeah. saying I don't feel like he took anything away from anybody else. He just uh, added. And that's this fair. Thing. So, that's fair. I mean, because I mean, it is a thousand pages, so if I you're going to read a thousand pages, I don't know. Kind of curious, though, because you, you hit on this earlier. I, I really don't know how you explore the Black Tower without a character like him, though. Exactly. Yeah, situation. and I'm not, and I'm not saying cut yeah. him out because I think that he's great. I just think that he was woven in there. I'm just wondering how, like, what more, what you, what you could do to try and maybe minimize his screen time, but still carry over the effect of this Black Tower, which is now its own entity because it's, yeah, it's, it's low gains. Sure. Yeah. Well, the, it's low gains deal. The mm-hmm. the easiest answer off the top of the head to that would be once. Once the Black Tower is is liberated and they're all kind of off to the the fields of Marilor, then I mean we don't have to ever see him again. Technically, I mean I'm not saying well, I'm not saying we shouldn't have he should have just been mm-hmm. gone or anything. I liked Andorall a lot. Sure, but I'm I'm just saying that's how you could fix it. Is just he just disappears. No, you know? I think my thing would be um, there's more Andorall point of view and screen time than there is Loghain, and Loghain is a character we know from book one. Mm-hmm. So you could give those point of view chapters to Loghain or even at least divvy them up a little bit again I'm not saying cut him out I actually really like him I just noticed reading through this time I was like oh we're get back to another Andrel chapter like this is a lot more than I remember yeah. that's that's actually a point of disappointment for me in this book is there was not enough Loghain there were a few opinion. there were a few and there things, were a couple of others like that there that, were a few things like Loghain where I felt like ah oh, there's just not enough payoff 
for all the setup that I feel that's, like I got. Yeah, yeah. and that's um, and that's the argument with Andrews. Like he's yeah. getting a lot of screen time he's, for a guy that was introduced last book. A whole lot. It's of It's great screen yeah. time. Yeah. It's super enjoyable to watch. But again, Logan's been here since book one. Yep. Maybe let me get a payoff on that a little bit more. Right. No, I I, I can get on board with that. Um. Now. Let's talk about uh, stuff that, man, are we just the worst critiquers ever? We just immediately get to the, <laughs> you know what pissed me off? Uh, but I want to talk about something that I really, really liked. And this is also, and I, I don't I don't want to credit Sanderson with this because he is probably working off a pretty detailed blueprint as far as how the last battle is going to go. So sure. this is probably Jordan. But it feels very Sanderson-esque in that, uh, and maybe he learned it from Jordan. Um, he set up all these pieces all over the board. And then and I was talking about this with Kyle the other day, where uh, you set up all these pieces and then you take stock of where the story is at and where the battle is. And you go, okay, so the, the, the bad guys have the advantage at A, B, C, and D. The good guys have the advantage here and here and here. Okay. So where the good guys have the advantage, I'm going to just take that away. So, and everything, every single advantage that you thought the good guys had, he completely oh flips it on yeah. you yep. and makes it so that everything is utterly hopeless. Traveling. Yeah. Here's a dream spike on that black tower. Furious. Yeah. Absolutely furious with the author, with the whole great captains being tainted by Grendel. Like, oh, really? I was so mm-hmm. angry. I'm like, stop really? <laughs> screwing and give them I- something. <laughs> You can't take that away. Like, yep. I was so pissed. Eventually, like, once we got to the point with Matt taking over everything, I'm like, okay, I get I would, it. But... I was going to say the opposite. I I was mad at myself for not seeing that coming because that made so much sense to me that Grandall, of all people who loves compulsion, would go in and mess with them and, you and, know. And that's another, it's another um, exploration of the magic system. You have mm-hmm. the one yes. power and you have your uh, your compulsion and then you have the world of dreams and then you go yeah. oh i wonder what would happen if you invaded someone's dreams mm-hmm. in order to lay compulsion on them inception those guys oh yeah and it's a really you, really and fun exploration and you and i had a very interesting discussion at work about the nature of this compulsion and and you had brought up something along the lines of oh i don't know if Graindall is a good enough general to make this happen because oh, she's right. putting in the battle plans or whatever but what i think is so cool that jordan or sanderson or whoever Jordan Anderson. Team Jordan. Um, that's not how compulsion works. Basically, they are incapable of doing something that's going to so it's it's not benefit the light or harm the shadow and the 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 dark side. And so what Grandal is doing with her compulsion is she's letting these brilliant military minds um subtly influence the battle so that when anybody's looking at it. Every decision that they make is justifiable, but on a you know zoomed out larger scale, it's actually hurting the overall battle that's going on. And you get that when when they start to make the realization when you get people like Lan who kind of starts to test. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's is he testing Iteralda, where you Agamar. Yeah. Agamar, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, you know, and he he looks at the battle plan and says, if he does this, then I know he's a dark friend. Yeah, and what happened was in that specific instance because I thought this was super cool was hey, we need reinforcements. We need reinforcement cavalry or whatever to plug this hole in the battlefield. And so Agamar sends two different reinforcement units. And one by themselves would have been fine. It didn't matter really either one. But Lan questions that and he says, wait, that's a mistake. That's not just a communication error or some other kind of justifiable whatever. That's an actual mistake. And like you said, Mm. then Lan starts to think, you know, forward think. And if he does this, then this proves if he pulls the archers off this hill, off this hill, we know that he's messing with us. Mm -hmm. And then like two seconds after that, some scout comes in and says, he's, he's ordered you to move the, move this archers. And yeah. Great one line from, uh, it's, uh, in one of the Matt chapters, you go, huh? (laughs) Gareth Brynn is a dark friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what. No, he's not. It's, don't, I, don't make was, stupid errors. I, I really, I enjoyed that. When I read Bashir's bit, I immediately texted Kyle. I said, holy sh! Bashir is a dark friend. And uh, and Kyle goes, yeah, wow. <laughs> how how about that? And 10 pages later, it's like, oh. There's been a few times that Ken would message me or something like that. And he says, you know, he'd say something like, oh, you know, Egwene or something. And I'm like, 
Egwene what? (laughs) (laughs) I can't say anything until I know what you just read. (laughs) Yeah, I I would. I would send you one word and you'd be like, I can't do anything with that. I'm really excited for us all to be um, regular friends with regular communication again, where we don't all have to like kind of message each other individually. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Anyway. So back to your original point about the setup where, where is it that the light side has the advantage and let's take that away. You've got traveling, so they throw in dream spikes. You've got... Dragons. Dragons. Blow them up. Well, but then you've got the great captains, so let's you know put some compulsion on there and make them work against them. And then you've got the seals. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. The light side has the seals to the Dark One's prison, which is this the whole premise of this book is their meeting at the Fields of Marilor to discuss, what are we going to do with these seals? Rand wants to break them. Elaine doesn't want to. They have this huh. whole discussion... Well, and it doesn't matter because they're it fake. Doesn't anyway. matter because they're fake, anyways. Oh man! And that whole reveal was just like mind blowing. Oh, so, is that what that meant? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a great uh, descriptive audio that you had. Right. Exactly. People can't see the body language, <laughs> so they also can't see you being a smartass right now. Like, <laughs> you can also take another one. You can deal with is uh, when. The whole Horn of Valir, them having to, you know, go get that and try and get that back to where it needs to be. And that, you know, pretty much is about to fall apart until Oliver solves and, that for and them. And the, the entire, yeah, so the seals are a red herring-ish. The horn is a red herring-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that going on here. The only thing that really, for the most part, is true to what we've been building up to this point is the last battle between Rand and the Dark One in the sense of... Yes. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and this again, when it comes to like the final outcome of that, I, I do want to kind of save that yeah. for the next episode. But I will say this: I was a little bit every time it would cut to Rand and the Dark One, going, "Yes, all right, let's let's get some good meaty stuff in here." And then eight paragraphs later, cuts out again, and there was so little of his stuff compared to everybody else's, and that was what I was most excited about. That was mm-hmm. uh, more so than Trollocs and the Shara or whatever they're called. Um, this is what we've been building toward for 14 books or 13 books. Uh, and that's what I really wanted to see. And so I was a little bit disappointed that the page count on that was so low. I think, I can understand um, that. I think that. Uh, the way that I read it this time is a little bit different because what you just said is like, this is what we've been waiting for. It's all about Rand and the Dark One. It's all about this battle. And that's what Rand actually learns within the battle is it's not about him and the Dark One. Right. It's about everybody else. Yeah. I know. Because they come out of it in a stalemate going, it doesn't, neither one of us can win, uh, neither one of us can lose. Are we just talking about the ending then? Is that what's going to happen? Well, here? just to his point there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're not spoiling anything. It's super meta. Well, we... <laughs> it is. It is fairly. There's a lot of meta there's, in this book. There's so much level three. What level? We're three. talking about meta, Ken. Yeah, meta. but it's all level three meta. You don't know <laughs> what don't words know. mean, do you? It's... I, L- learn words. I'm good with words <laughs> and things. Uh, all right. So Ryan, you look like you're about to say something. Um, uh, you want to know what my least favorite payoff was? Uh, and I'm one. I actually want to ask Kyle. Maybe there's more to it that I didn't catch. Pot and Fane? Yeah. Pot and Fane? Pot and Fane. It's yes. like, oh, oh, we got oh my gosh. Okay. We got to wrap this we up. We wanted to talk on a positive thing, so I didn't bring that up, but this is probably the most disappointing needs more than it receives. So here's the theory. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm totally with you guys. First time I read through this, I was, I want me some more Pot and Fane. He's the most interesting villain to me. Like, awesome dude to read about. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... So I was super disappointed the first time I read I read through this. The more and more that I read through it, uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us what happens to Pot and Fane, and and then go on. Basically, with your point. he shows up in the valley of Thakandar, Thakandar and dies. Dies, and then is quickly like, yeah, vanquished. Like, but he's got really unceremoniously just see ya. He has the uh, the fog of um, Mashadar. Mashadar that's with him. So basically, and that's killing anybody that it touches. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not like he's not a force on the battlefield, but it's pretty much one of those things that. He walks in, and you're like, "Oh, here we go!" And then Matt's like, "Yeah, I, I got my shot for the my inoculated. I'm, I'm inoculated. I'm inoculated yeah. to this stab, stab. Mm-hmm. End of story." <clears throat> I was like, "Oh man, that that was really sad." Because I remember actually one of your predictions was that 
the red veiled Aiel and everything that that was pot on Fane's work. Oh, I was so, so excited for that. Anyway, and sorry, I love the on, concept. Kyle. So, so the more and more that I think about it, the more perfect I think that that death for Pat on Fane is, based on the character that Pat on Fane is. Um, he is Matt. Explain to us opposite. why you're so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he is Matt's opposite. Matt is luck, fortune, um, unpredictability, right? Pat and Fane is the opposite. He is chaos. And basically anything good that can happen will happen to Matt because he's lucky. And anything bad that can happen will happen to Pat on Fane. So he was the Dark One's hound ever since book one. Um, he turned into Mashadar. He's got Shadar Logoth, all of that. He was consumed by the Black Wind in the ways. And... Basically, anything that can, bad that can happen, Pat on Fane will never receive glory. He will never be touted as any kind of hero, whatever. So the idea that he goes out without any ceremony or whatsoever is perfect for his character arc. Uh, now, the theory about <laughs> Pat on Fane is the pattern is all about balance, right? You have to have the light. You have to have the dark. Mm -hmm. The pattern, I mean, it says it however many times in this book. Moraine talks about it, how the pattern doesn't care. It's not good. It's not evil. It just is balance. That's all that it is. So Rand's entire journey, this book, is all about how he wants to kill the dark one, completely end the dark one so that there is no more. So the theory is, is that the pattern was building up Pat on Fane as a replacement dark one should Rand decide to actually kill the Dark One. But if you read it and you notice when Pat and Fane actually dies, it's immediately after Rand decides not to kill the Dark One and to reseal him through the pattern. So the pattern no longer needs Pat and Fane. And so Rand or so Matt just kills mm. him off. That is some that is some world class justification yeah, for yeah. a lame ending. <laughs> I'll go with that. Say what no, you want. I, no, I, I, okay. It I, was a pattern I kid, it, what you say makes a ton of sense uh, and that totally works. It doesn't stop Pot and Fane's ending from being dissatisfying or unsatisfying, I should say. I think it's supposed to be though. For a first, especially for a first time reader. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's a yeah. part of it. No, I think that that's by design though. Like I said, the fact that it's unsatisfying, it's supposed to be unsatisfying because that is Pat on Fane's life. There's a, nope. I guess if if I were if I were rewriting this because, let's go there. <laughs> uh, if I were rewriting this, there would have been a lot more um, Pot on Fane sprinkled throughout the last couple of books. Mm. He's popping yeah. in. He's causing chaos. Uh, and he's he, moving on. And uh, yeah, yeah, and he is still ranting and raving, not just about Rand, but about all three of the Taviran. Right. Um, and uh, you know, Matt comes to realize what you, somebody just said about, uh, he is, he's the opposite, mm -hmm. uh, of, uh, of Pot on Fane and, and he realizes, okay, this is, this is my fight. Perrin has Slayer, Matt has Pot on Fane and Rand has the Dark One and, and build that up. Give mm -hmm. me, give me sure. some. But even, but even giving him that much ceremony is counter to what Patton Faint is. Counter to his nature? Yep, counter to uh, his nature. No, it's not. Uh, you're wrong. I would have <laughs> I would have at the very least liked to have seen Perrin and Matt dispatch him together. I mean, that, that's all I was hoping but for. But Perrin has there. Slayer. Yeah. yeah but that's it, his opposite. But at the same time, it's, I mean, Patton Faint was supposed to be Matt's opposite. I mean, it turns out it was Demondred because of all of the generals in Matt's head, but which... Was an awesome chess match, you know, on a plot wise, scale, yes. But... Character wise, no. Yes, yeah. yes. Plot, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. As you say, but I, you know, because Pot and Fane kills Perrin's parents, I would have liked to have seen him have some hand in dispatching him as well. Sure. Again, you know, just when like I read, a you know, hammer, what I would have loved, I would have loved a uh, a a court ceremony, but you know, where they held Pot on Fane, you know, over court. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more gays could be the uh, like a law and the order judge there. No, I, I, the the joke went. Phew. Yeah, I, no, I, I was conveniently more. I was shows re referring up. back to Perrin's trial. Oh, right, the, you know mm -hmm. that that would have been a really great. This would have been a great place to have a trial sequence. Yeah, exactly. page seven hundred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, again, the first so time I read through it, I felt exactly up. the same way you guys feel about Pat on Fane. Yeah, it was like, oh really? Dang. But like I said, the more and more I I read through, 
and see his story arc and get it, I get what they were doing with yeah. that. So yeah. I was I was just um, commenting to somebody on Reddit. They were uh, somebody on Reddit mentioned that they had made it to book uh, eight like years ago, and and they were listening along with our podcasts, and they got up to book nine, and and they couldn't listen anymore because they hadn't read. So they tried to pick it up and and um, it got lost kind of in book nine. They're like, I don't remember enough. And so I'm really lost. And I commented because this was literally like right after I'd finished the book, uh, book 14, I mean. And I said, uh, one of the things I said was, I see now after book 14, why rereading it would be really valuable for, for things like what we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. However... If you have read through book eight or book nine or something like that, like this person has, I could not ever blame anybody for saying, <laughs> sure, I don't want to reread all those. Can I just get a synopsis somewhere? Sure. You know, and so yeah. find them a synopsis and catch them up. And mm -hmm. anyway, I guess somebody, is, on, somebody on the yeah. Watt subreddit was giving them a hard com. time. No, I was going to say, now that we are all done, there is a really cool Watt reread on tour.com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they go through basically yeah. chapter by chapter and give you exactly what you're talking about. So if you are somebody who fizzled out in book eight or nine and would like to jump back in, you could easily go to the Watt reread on tour and get through all of that. There's a really cool, here's what happened in this chapter synopsis. Here's some analysis. What, yeah, some analysis and then moves on. So, yeah. Yeah. So if you, uh, anyway, all that, all that just to say, um, I, I will not be picking up book one tonight. Sorry guys. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but I do see how, you know, uh, a year, five years, 10 years down the road, whenever it is, um, I'm going to pick these books back up and it'll be a very, very interesting experience the second time around. Mm -hmm. I, as, as I've said many times through this whole series of podcasts, um, I've, I had read the first like nine books before. And so I had some grounding in it, but I didn't care about the reread like I would now having finished book 14 for sure. Oh yeah. 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 No, no question there. So, uh, yeah, one day, and so before anybody asks, nope, not rereading it right now. No, it's it's going to be a while. In fact, I I haven't read a book since I ended. I haven't I haven't picked up another book and started reading since I ended this one. I've just been I've just been depleted. <laughs> if if uh, for lack of a better word, I've just been like I I want to see what's going on in the actual world for a few days, you know. And it's going to be really nice this week. And this will this will date the podcast, but it's going to be really nice to have a Star Wars release. The Last Jedi is coming out <laughs> this right. week. I can turn off my book brain and just go enjoy a Star Wars turn movie. On your Force brain. That's right. So, um, anyway, let's let's move on to something else. Now, I, I want to kick it to you guys. What bullet points do you have? What points do you want to bring up? Um, or uh, unless you want me to just keep going with my stuff. Should we talk about the Accords a little bit? Or should we save that till... The Accords? Yeah, that's what I called them. The the big meeting at the start where everybody gets together and Rand pitches his plan for world peace. And... Oh, boy. Yeah, now we're, we're, we'd be getting into some philosophical, political stuff. And, I mean, I'm all I'm all for it. Well, the, mm -hmm. the, the, first, the first point I wanted to make just for you is, is I... I, I'll, I'll, I'm not ashamed to admit I got a little bit, I actually got a little bit misty when Moraine walked in and ran Caesar and everything stops. Oh, so now stops. we're not talking about the Accords, but yes, I love that No, it's that still moment. the Accords. She walks in and saves the day. I mean, but right. it's the fact that she walks in and everybody stops and everybody, and I'm like, all right, that actually touched, you know, the void where my heart would be if I had one. And I, I was, that, that moment was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I am a Morainite. I know you are. And, and, and I know how much you love Moraine, and I was laughing because I noticed in this this reread that every time Rand did anything after Moraine was back, she's like, are you going to battle? <laughs> so, like, Rand would be like, get up off the couch, and he's like, oh, I got to go take a pee. <laughs> and Moraine, like, sees him move, like, shuffle in the distance. She's like, are you going to the last don't, battle? Don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> and so it was just like she was super antsy for him to get to the to the battle. And I get it. I get why. But it was just funny. He's like, no, not yet. I got to go do this thing over here. And anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I I loved everything about Moraine from the beginning. And, well, okay. I acknowledge that she made some mistakes here and there. That's fine. But uh, she is my one true Aes Sedai. Um, <laughs> I want to have her babies in me. 
Um, you got to fight that, Tom off first. That should that should work. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, I I was a little disappointed that it took that long to get her back, but that was quite the moment. I, Ken, yeah, I loved it. It was it yep. was fantastic, and I loved every single scene that, that Rand and mm-hmm. Moraine were. I liked seeing the progression. Like she's back, it's like, boy, you've grown, and not only have you grown, you've matured, and now you're you're what I wanted you to become. You yeah, know, when I unceremoniously pitched myself into a and, hole with Lanfear. And it was great that she basically was just quoting prophecy to anybody that was... Oh, that was fantastic. You know, like, uh, it doesn't matter what you guys say. He has to do this. It's going to happen. He has to do this. And then she would whip out a prophecy and say, like, here it is, here it is. And and uh, just the way that that scene was done, she would glance over at the Borderlanders, and then it's the Ilioners, and then it's the Aes Sedai. And she for the- every, every nation... She had something that would be like, oh yeah, that brings Makes them sense. in, brings yeah. them in, and she don't you know your scripture, people? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Seriously, she, she, she Bible bashed everybody into exactly. the ground. It was a big prophecy measuring contest. Um, so I do, do think we should take some time to talk about the dragons. I was the dragons just treaty. Say, so there are three um, parts of it. Stipulations. Yeah, the first being that. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> sorry, this still makes me laugh. That after the last battle, uh, borders are fixed and war is outlawed for a hundred years. <laughs> You're right. Um, okay, Rand. Sure. Um, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is we have to destroy the seals. And the third one is uh, what? I can't remember. Is it the whole commander in chief thing? The the third one was we have to break the seals. The no, that's second, the second one. one. No, the, that was the third one. That, that was the third the one because he said it was non-negotiable. Yeah. Oh. So the first one was the the borders were fixed. The second one was the well, <sighs> there. I don't know if it's the same one, but it, it they makes the Aiel the arbiters of peace. That's no, the they, boon after Avienda. Yeah, the Aiel had that added Aiel in out. because he, oh. he he leaves them out. And I, Avienda, in her one moment of ladies and gentlemen, anything. this is what you call reading comprehension, because <laughs> yeah. we can't remember. Uh, maybe it's just that the borders are fixed, and that's number one, and then war and is outlawed. Out that's number two, and I, I can't. Remember. I'll say here, here's a tangent for you. I like I liked him tying off Avienda's vision right there and getting it out of the way with, hey, if we get left out of this, then we're gonna get run over by the Shan Chan, and my vision comes true, and the IL are no more. So involve us. Vision tied off. We don't have to worry about this ever again. And and I like that because it just got it out of the way quick. Which really, this that is when we were back reading. It's Towers of Midnight when she goes through yeah. and deals with all that. And we're kind of like, okay, so what does this mean now? Well, now that you finish the series, you see the payoff for it. Um, the IA will become Randland's FBI. Yeah, it's great. They're the they're the police force. But I, I think going back, it's one of those things that I, I under I completely remember thinking it very similar. Why do I care what's happening to the Aiel after the last battle right now? Yeah. Other than to maybe make me, you know, take a minute and think, you know, what is going to happen to this world after, you know, the everything resolves? Because I'm going to take a stab in the dark and assume the good guys win because the series is really <laughs> well liked. So, <laughs> you know, what what is going to happen after the fact? Because that's a, that's a great question that has been the start of other great series. What yeah. happens after you beat the the bad guy? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I do want to talk, if you don't mind, about the first part of those accords that we kind of glossed over. And I, I laughed because I, I laughed as I read it and kind of went, okay, Rand, sure. Borders are fixed and war is outlawed. <laughs> and it was interesting to me to see the callback to that. Gosh, dang it. Uh, well, no, this isn't giving away the ending yet. Um, when he's battling the Dark One and they are asserting their different visions of what the future would look like. And Rand's first attempt at that is the world without the Dark One. It's essentially, he illustrates what he wanted in this Dragon's Accord or the Dragon's Peace or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, And what it is, is, um, uh, let's see, each nation was represented, though these days people didn't pay much heed to borders. Another relic. Who cared who lived in what nation and why someone would try to own the land? And it, you know, it felt very much like... uh, kind of a, how would I put it, like a socialist utopia. It felt, um, yeah. And, and that's kind of what he was talking about when he was talking about his dragon's peace and, and it, instituting all these things. Um, and then, it, as with all utopias, 
well, you're going to run into a few problems. And it was a very deft little treatment of that during his battle with the Dark One, uh, where he says, okay, well, here's your here's your utopia, and now here's why that would suck. Right. Right. It reminded me of The Matrix when he yeah, was sure, talking about... A bit. He was talking about with the first Matrix, we made everything perfect. It was a disaster because people didn't want things to be perfect. Ken, that's from the second Matrix. We don't talk about that. No, one. it's from the first Matrix. No, that's, when from he has, the, that's from the second when he has Matrix. Morpheus, we don't talk about that. When he has Morpheus chained up and uh, Neo... I was going to call him Rand. Neo has to yeah, break same, in again. Same guy. Yeah, exactly. Same but guy. anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, yeah. But I'm right. I think you... <laughs> I do kind of agree with the, you know, it's a bit of a laughable concept, but I also, you know, this vision that Rand has, I don't know 100% that he, you know, I, I can't remember where it is exactly, but that he believed that it could hold the entire time. But if it delayed it, you know, even just a little bit, was it not, was it worth it? Right. No, and... It also, the other thing it did is it also um, validated the Shan Chan rule on... With his whole uh, agreement with Where the Shanchan, Altara or Ebudar, Amadisia, Amadisia, yeah, they've got they're in basically just. By the way, they're basically them. in by the, the southwest. Way, real quick, how awesome is it that I can whip out names like Altara and Amadisia without missing a beat? I feel very accomplished right now. <laughs> you did finish the book today. So. <laughs> Come whip those out. Well, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Two months from now, we'll see if you can keep those on the top of your head. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, th and this is why when you started reading ahead, I was like, oh, Ryan, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. I had to. Had yeah. to. Wouldn't be done otherwise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So what other bullet points do you have before I get on to the uh, Velociraptors? Velociraptors? Um, now Velocity. I'm curious. <laughs> no? Yeah. Um, Nobody else caught the Velociraptors? We'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, Lan is... Oh, boy. So sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he so, is definitely wanted. So, <laughs> so on top of yeah, nice. on top of uh being an awesome battle commander and understanding that Agomar was putting them in a bad situation and basically figuring out that they've been compromised, Lan kills Demon Dread, which was so cool. Okay. Yeah, he does. That was with a, dope. With, with a callback. Callback mm -hmm. to book two. Yeah. And just, so, that whole leading up to, it makes it even better because the whole, Gowan goes to challenge Demondred, he has his three blood knife rings on and he still can't defeat him. Then Galad goes to challenge him and he With gets defeated. the wolf defeated, head medallion. Yeah, and he yeah. gets defeated. And then uh, Lan shows up and Demondred's like, another one? Like, what the heck? Are that, you kidding me? Well, and, even better, he does that after he already beats two Murdral. Yeah. On his own. Yep. And, like, uh. This book is full of land hold my beer moments. Then the whole thing, he's like, <laughs> who are and you? I think that's going on the front page of our website sometime soon. <laughs> land hold my beer. Um, Demondred's like, who are you? And he, you know, in true land fashion, I'm just a man. And he says, I'm, I'm the man who's going to kill you. Um, so sweet. Oh, and even then, better than that. He's like, you thought you could beat me. I didn't say I was going to be the man to beat or to. Mm. He said, you weren't listening. No, I, I wasn't. I didn't I, say I was going to survive. I yeah. said I was going to kill you. I didn't say or I didn't come here to win. I came here to kill you. Yeah. And then he, she and then he the sheathes sword. the sword. She is the sword. Yeah. Oh yeah. I which, mean, which previously was his move with uh, Nynaeve, but he kind of... <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'm I'm mad at myself. By the way, I I got to go back and and correct. I, I should have said hold my Usquai moments. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Nice. <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm so mad at myself. Right um. Now. So, uh, Gawain is the worst. Previously, oh, previously useless, now completely worthless. <laughs> Gawain yeah. has, he has precisely one redeeming, no, sorry, two redeeming moments in the entire series. One, he lets Swan go. And two, he saves Egwene in her sleep. Um, and they're pretty quick moments. And congratulations, you know how to use a sword. Um but like, uh, he I, is the cause of the Amberlin's death, when, which yeah. also begs a lot of questions as to whether or not someone in Egwene's station should be susceptible to, to a having a warder anyway. and a warder death and things like that. Right. But he is 100% responsible for what happened to Egwene and 
So as walk, much us, as I, walk us through as why. much as I hate Egwene, we should all hate Gowan for that even more. Yeah. So why why is he directly responsible? Walk me through it. Because he basically just walks away from their battle commanding. Like they're they're having this whole discussion about what they should do about Demondred and the battle mm-hmm. and everything. And he like slips out into the night to go and face Demondred, mano e mano. And, uh, and gets himself gets himself murdered. killed. Puts on his three and evil then, blood rings, and, and fully knowing that he probably can't match him, probably is gonna die, and doesn't even think about the fact that he's bonded to Egwene and what that's going to do to Egwene and the army and the whole light side. If Egwene goes full on water death rage and loses <laughs> her mind, and that makes me wonder. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Brandon has uh, Brandon Sanderson has previously uh, gone on record many times as saying that Cad Swain can essentially go suck rocks, um, and he hates Cad Swain. Did I say Cad Swain? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, that's his least favorite character and all that. But boy, when I'm reading this story, it sure feels like he hates Gowan more. Didn't he say that too? Didn't he? Didn't I, he also say no he hates idea. Gowan? I have no idea. I don't um, remember, but you could argue that. That his death was responsible for her doing what she needed to to defeat Mahale, though. Does she go? Does she go? Nah, he was a worthless pilot. Oh, he was anyway. worthless. But I mean, does she? Does she actually go full cast Deus Ex Machina to beat him? If I, I don't think you know what those words mean. Sure, Ken, I do. Um, I I was a little bit. No, she didn't need that. She didn't need it. He would have died elsewhere or otherwise. I I was a little bit looking forward to her in her um. Uh, what what do we call it? the flame of Tarvalin yeah. moment? Uh, that that felt more like a Demondred moment to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I with Taim, I was kind of I I would have preferred uh, a pot on Fane ending for Taim, like uh, you know, yeah. running away from somebody, and then one of his old Ashaman is like, oh hey, that's Taim, stab him in the back, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of a like a <laughs> uh, uh, I what, what trying, a Saruman <laughs> a Saruman ending for him, right? Yeah. I would have loved to have seen him. He's running away on the field or whatever, and Andral opens up the gateway underneath him, and like right above, so he just keeps going from, from <laughs> up and down, straight all the, falling through the whole time. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. I um, would have liked to. I would have liked to have seen him die at Logan's hands, though. Personally, I just oof. felt like I it thought, should. Felt I like it, it should really, have been. But. I thought it was really um, cool the way that it happened because the Mahale is the head of the Black Tower, and the and she's the, the head of the White Tower. Yeah, I feel like that's exactly what. Should yeah. have happened. Well, yeah, she creates sense. the Wii for anti balefire fire. That's mm-hmm. that's awesome. Everything's and balanced. The pattern is all teach, balanced. And then doesn't teach anybody. Right? They all close their eyes and don't see it. <laughs> and then comes back <laughs> as a force ghost. <laughs> yeah. Big Wayne does. Mahale, if you uh, strike me down, I should become more powerful <laughs> than you possibly imagined. <laughs> no, but she comes back and she like oh, force she ghost. She's like conversation with Rand. Yeah. We are talking over each other a lot today. Because we're uh-huh. excited. We are. Wait, excited. when does she? When did they have a whisper conversation? Right Brad? after. Right after the whole flame of Tarvalin, she is, talks about how her how her soul separates from her body, and there's the whole like whatever thing that's like holding the pattern together where Egwene died, the anti bellfire. Yeah. And then the next chapter, she's like having a discussion with Rand. I as just like thought a, that was in his head. Well. But it's like part of the pattern or world of dreams or whatever. It's a Gwen. But why should that make it doing less that? And I that was really weird to me because I'm we, like, are we? So she's in the spiritual realm. I don't know. Wrong book. It, it's the first okay. instance of this, other than like, I guess you could say like, oh, when Bir- when Brigida or Gaidel Kane dies, they go to the world of dreams, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that means a Gwen is now uh, similar to Brigida. Attached to the pattern. That's uh, exactly what that uh, just made know, me think of. Is yeah. so, she's now she, a hero of legend. Which that, that yeah. begged another hero question that horn. I had for later is, what new heroes of the horn do we have from this? But we can talk about it later. Anyways, so she goes and she has that whole conversation with Rand after the fact that she has done her whole anti-Bellfire flame of Tarvalin. Yeah. Was it before, was, was it her coming to him that gave him strength or was it mm-hmm. after he um, resolved what so, he was going to do? Well, we can talk about that when we talk yeah. about the whole ending, but it's basically... Rand has a couple of voices saying like, hey, you've, you know, he's remembering Stop his being whole, so selfish. We yeah, can be heroes too. We can be heroes yeah. too. Allow us to fight, you know, and it's kind of this, he's remembering his whole sparring scene with Tam when Tam keeps telling him to let go. And so it's Rand coming to that conclusion. Yeah. And Egwene helps him along that uh, still, path. Still one of my favorite scenes, Rand and Tam having their, having their duel and he's 
Oh yeah. And he's 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 only dueling Rand one hand, and Rand's like, I can't do this. I only have one hand. And then he realizes Tam's got only one hand, or dueling with only one hand. And he uh, Tam Althor Good is moment. the coolest. Well, uh, we've got a lot of ending to talk about. Like I said, I wanted to save that for the next time. So what do you say we wrap this up with a little Velociraptor action? Yeah, what is... Okay. I can't believe you didn't catch this, Kyle. Uh, So uh, uh, Matt and Tuon, sorry, Fortuona, which I just got, Fortuona. Tuon is inside of... No, sorry, Tuon, Mm T-U-O-N. That's actually part of Fortuona. But it also means fortune, which means... Yes, I understand that. We already talked about that. Anyway, um, but I just got that it was part of the name already. Uh, So Matt and Tuon stage a sort of uh, falling out. And she pulls all the Shan Chen troops out. And this is kind of uh, the last desperate feint before the final thrust. And then the Shan, Shan Chen come back. And they have with them a few beasts. Oh, right. Um, the, I can't <laughs> remember what they were called. We've seen them on, once. On their hind legs, the Lopar were no taller oh, yeah, than Lopar. Trollocs. But they outweighed them considerably. The Lopar came at the Trollocs, raising up and slashing with their razor-sharp claws. Once a Lopar softened up its prey, it grasped the Trolloc behind the neck with its paws and bit the beast's head off at the neck. This gave the, the this gave the Lopar great pleasure. Have we not? I swear we've seen them before. We have, have seen them not? before oh, because I, I wrote a, in my notes like Lopar, what the f is that? And no, I, it was like six books ago or something. I don't, no, I don't it's, remember that. I think it's this. Uh, it's when Rand. It's the Dragon Reborn. Uh, no, or the Great Hunt, because it's when he goes. It's the first time he meets Landfear. When he goes into the realm using the... That's a Grom. Oh, that's, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's a Grom. But we have seen the Lopar. I'm looking to see in my notes I don't notes know why where... I remember that name in particular, but... I'm now a little more, more confident like... that you're going to remember Amadisia two months from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't... Grom, by the way, Grom is one of those things from my first read, like, years mm-hmm. ago, that for some reason, that word, that name stuck forever. Mm-hmm. And I I can always see, remember I didn't, what I didn't ever is. picture the Lopar as uh, Velociraptors. The way that he described it, I thought they were much more like bears. And then, yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah. When he, he used the word pause, and I'm like, oh, okay, so it's probably not a Velociraptor, mm-hmm. but it sure sounds a lot like sure. one. So I'm going with Velociraptor on this one, because they can, <laughs> you, you could call them pause too. Sure. sure. Uh, anyway, let's, let's go ahead and wrap this up and give people a little bit to look forward to for the second discussion which is the ending we want to talk about the ending and Rand's battle with the dark one and Kalandor and all that stuff so uh, once again you can support the show at patreon.com slash legendarium but before you do so uh, go visit reddit and the legendarium.reddit.com and find the discussion there for the future future of patreon with us and we'll see what uh, what's going to happen there now uh i should also say we need to announce the winner of the next series oh yeah so this was a big thing uh there were a lot of votes cast i actually um i'm curious uh what you guys want and uh and and what we're gonna get because i'm gonna go ahead and add up all these votes here and see how many we had uh, but Ryan, if you were to pick one without looking, don't look at the I'm screen. not looking at it. Okay. What, what do you want to read next? Out of those, I've, I have already read part of King Killer Chronicles. Um, and the only reason why I'm hesitant to put that one as my first is because it's not finished. <laughs> right. Chronicles of Narnia is finished. Right. <laughs> I, w- I would prefer yeah. to go that route and a, a little bit lighter read. We could knock out Chronicles of Narnia pretty quick. So that's what I'm inclined towards right now. Yeah, yeah. Ken? I would probably say chronicles of narnia because i actually have that one <laughs> um all but i i codex alera i love jim butcher and Ong of ice and fire i've actually read so i mean i would have liked those to have fared a little yeah. bit better but kyle um i was really pulling for gentleman bastard oh that's right yeah. okay so all those who donated for that you rule everybody else no. No, you still rule <laughs> because every vote was uh, was a dollar donated to the studio. You guys want to hear how many dollars were donated to the studio? Oh yeah. And this this uh, I I should say if you go double check my work at uh, the GoFundMe page, you'll miscount because not every dollar came in through that page. Some people wanted to donate without going through the fee structure of GoFundMe, which is just fine by me. Um, but anyway, we had. 
1,105 votes wow. cast. Yeah. Thank you. That is People um, like us. Democracy with money, it works. It's, uh, you know, buying votes. <laughs> buying votes is a beautiful thing, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, because I, and I, I took the these three guys out and showed them the studio before we started uh, re- recording. And I think they can attest it's coming along nicely. It's going to be a very, very cool space. It is simple. You know, we couldn't spend a whole ton of money on it, but it is going to be very uh, a it's, very good space for us to record in. It's going to be very. We functional. could only spend eleven hundred. Eleven hundred and five dollars. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Thank you so much, people. So yes, that... thank you very much. Now for the results, uh, the <laughs> the dark horse that was on no one's list is Chronicles of Narnia, and that easily came in first place. Really? There, yeah, easily. Wow. Uh, I think what happened was there was that one very generous donor, um, and then. Once people saw it on the list, they went, oh, you know, that's a great idea. I I remember reading it in junior high or, oh, gosh, it's been a few years. Or maybe there were a couple of people that said, I've never read that. I'd like to uh, read along with you guys. So that would be great to do next. So that one easily came in first, followed by King Killer Chronicle. Gentleman Bastard came in a a pretty distant third, actually, but still third place. So it will get read. Podium. Fourth fourth (laughs) place is Farseer Trilogy. Hmm. Um, and that's uh, Robin Hobb, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so those four are guaranteed to be read by us. And I assume, just based on our habits and, and schedules, we'll probably get to all of those in 2018 um, and, and be done with all those by 2018. Now, fifth place was Imager Portfolio, Ellie Modisette Jr. Um, and that was a, a pretty narrow miss on that one in the top four. So... I, and that's one I think we should read anyway. I just don't know when we're going to get to it. Um, but uh, but we, I, I, I think it's fair to say that we will. Uh, because anything that got at least 100 votes deserves to be read, and that one did. Uh, everything below that did not get 100 votes. The Fifty Shades trilogy, Red Rising, Codex Alera, Chronicles of Amber, A Song of Ice and Fire, and Malazan Chronicles, those all kind of came in, drifted in with a, a few votes here and there, but not a ton. The two, <laughs> the two that got I there. There's one person in particular who I and I, I'm not going to call them out by name. I don't know if they'd want me to or not, but I I just won't. You know who um, you are. You know who you are. You <laughs> put fi- five votes each toward um, a gronking to remember, <laughs> which which is I I which is um, erotic fan fiction about Rob Gronkowski of the NFL. Um, I, and that that made me laugh so a lot. Much, but but the the second of the I, I'm going to call them joke votes. Five votes went to um, Kyle. What was which the... which had the entire office where Craig I, and I work <laughs> trying was... to put together a campaign to get it in the top four late Friday afternoon. This, this one, what what was the name of it? It's uh, helicopter, helicopter man, man pounds billionaire dinosaur ass. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's the name of it. And um, Dr. Chuck Tingle. <laughs> yep. So, so this this was as Kyle said. I mentioned this. I just kind of in passing in the break room uh, on Friday. I mentioned this at work and said, "Oh, you know, isn't this funny?" And it brought the house down. So, and and like like we said, you know who you are. You absolutely brought the house down, and it came. It actually came really close. There were some people talking very very seriously about trying to vault Doctor Chuck Tingle into first place, which I would have been all about. I will talk about uh, parody gay uh, erotica all day for money. That's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, but what happened was apparently. Um, this is a, a bit of a, a bit of a hot button issue in the sci-fi and fantasy community because uh, Dr. Chuck Tingle is a uh, what's the he's a Hugo he's a, Award winner. Yeah. Apparently, there's this whole backstory with like these this the sad puppies, which are kind of these like alt right uh, sci-fi fantasy fans, and they keep rigging the Hugos and uh, like. They're not. It, it, I, I don't yeah. know exactly. I, that's the thing is like, I don't know how this works. I don't know what all the backstory is, but it's not something that I'm particularly inclined to wade into. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And so I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Joke Voter, we're not going to read Dr. Chuck Tingle. 
maybe we'll make a, a video out of it one day. I, I don't know. But I, I tell you what, for the right price, I will read the back cover of that in John Houseman's <laughs> voice. <laughs> anyway, th that was honestly, that was one of the funniest things. Just going to the Amazon page, reading the not only the title, but the description and the excerpt uh, and the excerpt and the about the author. <laughs> and the reviews it, go back to Amazon mm -hmm. read some of those reviews it is off the charts funny uh, so anyway um, sweet helicopter kisses I believe is uh, mm -hmm. a sensual sensual helicopter kisses is a phrase from that that I just can't quite get over uh, so all that I, I don't know why I cared to go on that tangent I hope everybody else enjoyed it as much as I did but Chronicles of Narnia is up hey. next so so the question is are we going to read them all at once and do two episodes on all seven of them it's a no gosh <laughs> oh goodness I'm, I'm kidding I'm kidding um I yeah we'll do uh, an episode a piece on the Chronicles of Narnia uh we should be able to knock those out pretty quick I say it should be some light reading in yeah. comparison so oh my gosh yes I'll, I'll be looking forward to something I can knock out in a, a, a couple of sittings so um, hope you guys will join us on that. And if you don't, don't worry. Uh, just like with Wheel of Time, uh, we'll do uh, a Narnia episode and then maybe one or two other, uh, you know, a movie or uh, a comic or whatever we want to throw in there into the mix. And uh, King Killer Chronicle will come up after that. And so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that one. It's been, some people say, um, you know, King Killer, it's not done yet. You shouldn't read it till it's done, or, you know, for the podcast at least. But then, I, where would you be with Stormlight Archive? That's yeah. that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Um, the Oathbringer <laughs> review that Ryan and I did a few weeks ago uh, is easily, and I mean easily, the most downloaded episode we've ever had in the first 30 days, yeah. uh, by far. And, and it's you know, it's just free. It's, I mean, it's, it's nice for us to kind of uh, to ride the wave a little bit and, yeah. and read along with the rest of the community instead of going back uh, to older works. Um, and so I, I really like that. So I, I'm all about reading King Killer right now and then being ready for book three when it comes out in 2049. <laughs> with Blade uh, Runner. Pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, gosh, that was a, that was a whole lot of tangent. Quite the outro. Year of the vote. Year of the voter choice. <laughs> right. Um, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, tune in in two weeks for the second of these uh, Memory of Light discussions. Next week, though, is Star Wars, and ain't no way we passing up a no. Star Wars episode. No. So uh, we'll see you next week for Star Wars, two weeks for the final Memory of Light, and, uh, and then we'll talk about the future of uh, the Wheel of Time on the Legendarium at that point. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you later.